Hello and welcome to Warrior Divas, Real Talk for Real Women. This is your host, Angie Lee Monroe, reminding you each and every day to be a diva and make an impact. Uh, For those of you that are new to our show, diva stands for women that are destined, inspired, victorious, accountable, and building a sisterhood to make a positive impact in the world we live in. And we are so excited today because we are... Uh, launching a new part of our podcast. We've been doing our podcast little um, snippets, 30-minute snippets with just me on doing teaching topics, and we have got our first guest in the studio today. But before I get started, I want to remind you, we have our Divas Impact magazine. We have the conference. It's on the back of the magazine uh, coming up soon, and you can find out all about that at divasimpact.com. But today, I want to give you a little bit of introduction into Tracy Coburn. She is a local gal here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but uh, I've known about her, known of her more through her husband than anything else over the last few years. Uh, met, uh, met her, I think, in 2011, 2012, somewhere around there when she was student teaching my son at the local high school, which I'm an alma uh, that I'm an alumni of, about to have our class reunion. And uh, I started just being intrigued by her. She, the kids love her. That's one thing. If some, if kids love you, that's one thing. Um, but the other part of it, too, is she's got such a passion for our troops. She's got a passion for our country. She's got a passion for her community. And uh, when I talk to people on Divas, they often ask me about what can they get involved in? How can they make a difference? How can they make an impact? And I often tell them politics, um, getting to know what's going on in your local community all the way up to the to the presidency and knowing how to have those conversations. And so I've watched her. I don't just put anybody on the show. I don't just introduce people I know anybody to all of you, I watch her and see what she does. And so when she's not in school, she's been traveling quite a bit and uh, she's been doing some learning herself and educating herself, improving herself. She's run for city council. She's run for a couple of other positions as well. She serves on the committee here in the Tarrant County for politics. And so when we are talking today, if you're wanting to know how to get involved, this is the woman that can tell you about how to get involved. But my biggest um, reason for wanting her to go on is she has done everything with grace. She has done everything with talent, with dignity, and a smile on her face. So This is all about to um, kick off in a big way, and I want you to welcome with me, Tracy Coburn. Thank you, Angie. I am so honored and so touched by all of that. That was just really awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like take that clip of that podcast and like you know keep it on my own personal media so I can have that if I'm having a bad day. So thank you so much. I am so pleased to be here. Um, your company, what you guys do with Diva Impact, is exactly what I think is wonderful. Uh, for women. I just, I'm a huge, I was just talking to to my son yesterday about how I don't consider myself a feminist. I would consider myself maybe a womanist that Mm -hmm. I think women are so important to our society and what's good for society is good for women and what's good for women is good for society. And so what you do is just fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. We, we tell people all the time, we steer away from the feminist word because it's gotten such a negative impact. It's part of the reason why we steered towards divas impact mm-hmm. is because when you think of a diva, you think of somebody that's, you know, all about themselves and all of that. But we wanted to shift that paradigm. We want to do the same with the feminist right. movement. We want to help women embrace their femininity and realize how strong and powerful they are within their femininity and not having to be something that they're not. Absolutely. I was telling my husband, we were coming out of church yesterday and there was a little girl who had on um, the little bobby socks that have the lace trim. And I was telling my husband, I said, you know, when I was a kid, I used to, my mom used to put me in those. I was the firstborn child and the first granddaughter on both sides. And she used to put me in those socks and I would cut the lace off the the (laughs) socks because I thought that it was so girly Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be girly. I wanted to be strong and I wanted to be 
you know, independent and all of these things. And over time, I've learned that, you know, femininity is just another part of who I am. And it's just, you know, filtered into that strength and that, you know, independence. And so, you know, I love to wear dresses and I love to be, you know, girly now. Um, Whereas, you know, when I was six, five and six, I didn't like that image at all. And so, you know, but we mature and we learn things about ourselves. And so that's, I think that's just a wonderful thing to to use that femininity and, and know that we can be strong and feminine both. Exactly. So you've grow, you grew up in a couple of different countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've traveled around. You've made your way to Texas, of course. You know, we're Texans, so we love Texas. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so tell us a little bit about um, things that may be from your youth that kind of you see now led you to where you are today? Oh, gosh. I think um, faith is so important to me, and um, and God has led me along my life, has prepared me in each step for the step that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you, we don't always see that, and we don't always know where He's leading us, but, you know, you'll get 10 years down the road, and you're like, oh, man, if mm-hmm. I hadn't had that experience, <laughs> like, I wouldn't be prepared exactly. for this. And um, I... Uh, I was lucky enough to um, grow up with a dad who was in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a sergeant in the Army, and we were stationed overseas in Germany three different times. And I was actually born in Germany, um, spent early elementary there, and then the third time we were there was from the time I was in sixth grade until I graduated from high school. And I graduated at a um, at an American high school overseas. Okay. And, um, and I tell my kids, I teach American history, and so on the first day of school, I always do a little intro about me, and I, and I tell the kids, I say, you know, I'm super passionate about America. I'm mm-hmm. America is the best country on the earth. And I can say that with full confidence because I've been to so many other places. Right. And, you know, Germany is a wonderful place. I love to go visit mm-hmm. there anytime I have the chance to. It's a beautiful country, but I would never live in Germany. I would never right. choose to live there. And I had the choice, you know, when I was 18, I had dual citizenship. Right. And so I had the choice and I could have stayed and gone to college in mm-hmm. Germany. Um, but I came back to college in, in America, in Texas, actually, you know, Texas A&M took a risk on me and gave me a scholarship there. And that's how I ended up in this state that I'd never lived in before right. and didn't know anybody. And uh, so took that leap of faith and said, OK, God, I trust you. You know, I'm going to go to this place and I don't know how I'm going to like it. And, you know, wonderful, wonderful decision. Turned out great. A&M's a wonderful place um, and met my husband there. I fell in love with I fell in love with Texas before I fell in love with my husband. <laughs> like I was already determined, you know, that I was going to stay here. Right. And then met my husband, and so that's how we ended up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's a Hearst boy, and so we ended up in Hearst, and, you know, I've planted my roots deep here. Right. So so whenever you left and came back to the stateside and came to Texas and all that stuff, do you feel that being in the military as a military dependent really kind of— helped you be able to move and not, yes, it's scary. I'm not going to say it's not scary, but uh, gave you a little more freedom to, Absolutely. to move because sometimes we get a little too sheltered. Right. And I, and I think and it's human nature to like where we are, to mm-hmm. be comfortable in our little circles. Um, but being a military brat has really just benefited me in so many ways. I used to be very introverted. I used to be very um, concerned about, you know, would people like me? Would, mm-hmm. you know, how, how would I project myself? Um, and being in the military, having that atmosphere where people were constantly moving in and out of my life right. gave me much more freedom to understand that, you know, like, like I'm going to be who I am. Exactly. And then the people around me may shift, the environment may shift, but mm-hmm. I'm who I am in me. Right. And so absolutely, when I moved to Texas, you know, I was I was scared, I was a little worried, um, but I knew that God had me and that uh, it was going to be a good situation and that if not, we would move to something else. Right. So, so I mentioned that you were a um, city council member for mm-hmm. the city of Hearst and you started I don't know when you started getting into politics. Um, so I have four boys, and I have a degree in political science. Okay. That's what I majored in in college. Okay. And so I've always been interested in, in politics and government and those things. Um, but when we moved here, um, we I, we had the boys, and um, so I, I I was mom. You mm-hmm. know, I was exactly. full time mom, um, and I didn't do a lot outside of the house. I did PTA and that kind of thing exactly. with their schools, but I was really focused on my sons. Um, I started about two thousand. 2013, 
Um, I started being, you know, kind of looking a little bit outside. Mm -hmm. That's uh, after I had started teaching full time. And my kids at school challenged me one time and said, well, what do you do other than vote? Like you talk about being involved in the political process. What do you do? You know, and you Out know, of kids, the of exactly. They have no filter right. and, they'll, and they'll challenge you. And so I was like, oh, well, let me, I need to be involved. I need mm-hmm. to do more. And I really love where we live. And so I had, um, and I strongly encourage everybody to do this. If you um, are interested in your local community, go down to City Hall ask them if they have citizen boards and commissions right? because most cities do. And so mm-hmm. all you have to do is fill out a little application. It takes you maybe two, three minutes to fill out the application and turn it in. Mm-hmm. Most of the cities have it online where you can just fill it out online and you don't even have to go right. to city hall. And so, but back in 2013, it was all, you know, paper-based. <laughs> so, you know, filled it out, mailed it in, and then they called me for an interview and I went down and interviewed for a, right. a, a board Um was appointed to a, a, a board called the Neighborhood Community Advisory Committee. Um, and it was a really great experience. Just right. got to hear some inside stuff about Hearst, got to know kind of what was happening. There was a, a city council member who was a liaison on our committee, so got to know her. Um, and so that's how I got my first taste of, you know, what it meant to be really involved. Right. Um, and then I, and I loved it. Um, and then um, from there, I went to the library board, which is, you you know, kind of a bigger board mm-hmm. and more and more involved. Um, and then the city council member who was on my first board actually came to me and said, I'm retiring. Right. Will you run for my spot? And so it was the fact that I was already involved that exactly. made that connection. And so it's all about it's about who you know, but it's also about how you know them too. So it's she knew I up. Could, it, it's a it's majorly about showing up. Mm-hmm. So if you're not in the system, then people don't know you. They're not aware of your strengths. They're not aware if you're capable. And there are lots of people who just show up and say, I'm going to run for city council. And they've never been involved in the city before. And the voters generally tend to not like those people. Right. Because they're like, you didn't do your homework. You know, you haven't been involved. You're you're a Johnny come lately. Where have you been? I think I think we talked about that um, one time before is there's people that show up even for the school boards mm-hmm. that they may be involved a little bit on their PTA level. They may be involved as a room mom or something like that, but they're not showing up to school board meetings. They're not showing up to these big things that mm-hmm. are important. Um, I heard somebody not too long ago was standing in a board in a meeting room with the school superintendent mm-hmm. and went up and introduced herself to him like she didn't know who he was but she was running for the school board yes and i'm like wait a minute you know this this is not something that's okay with most of right, us right you know we want to make sure that the board members yes we want them to be able to not be yes men and women but we want them to know what's going on and and Absolutely. know how they would shift things in a positive direction mm-hmm. before they ever get there well and we like people who uh I, I do anyway. I like people who've done their homework, who show me that they're willing to put the time in right. to know the situation, know who right. the important people are, who the important issues, what the important issues are, so that they can actually have a grasp on it. Because if you exactly. just show up and say, I want to run for city council because I want to be a city council person, right. you know, like, wh- where's your investment there? Right. Like, wh- what are your issues? What are your problems? Why exactly. Why are you doing this? So, yeah, I say, you know, show up. Absolutely. Well, we, um, my husband and I also own a plumbing company here in the state of Texas. And this last legis- legislative session in the state of Texas was a bit tumultuous for us. A little bit. <laughs> uh, we went under a review. We had some challenges. There was a march on to the Texas steps. And I'm just going to tell you, that was an interesting experience. I have never mm-hmm. done that before. I've never been a part of that before. Um but it was very interesting to be there and kind of be part of the democratic process in a way. Yes, the governor had signed something extending it two days before, mm-hmm. but letting your collective voices be heard over something. So I guess the other part is, is there's a lot that we did staying home with our kids mm-hmm. during times where maybe we felt like some women out there today that our voice can't be heard, our voice isn't this. But when we join our voices with other people. Right. That's power. We can make a 
big, powerful statement. Absolutely. That's that's so I'm a huge proponent of the First Amendment and it's freedom of speech and freedom to assemble is such an important thing. And, you know, people think a lot about, you know, the big protests and the things, you know, the Women's March and the, you know, a million man march and those things. But those those are just kind of the culmination of so right. much else that's happened for people to speak up and speak out. And um, I just think I was in Philadelphia this summer and I saw a, a protest from a, a group that I don't agree with politically. Right. Um, but I took a picture of it and put it on my social media. I said, I don't agree with their message, but I will fight to the exactly. death for their right to stand here in front of Independence Hall and have their protest, because I think that that is one of the reasons that we are so free in this country is that, you know, and I try to tell my kids at school, I'm like, you know, when they'll say, well, you know, America's not that great. And I'll say, you really don't know. Like, there are other places in the world, even places that are democratic, Mm -hmm. you know, nominally Mm -hmm. democratic, that people don't have the right to get in a group People right. don't have the right to send letters. Mm-hmm. People don't have the right to speak out. And, you know, right. that is such a marvelous gift to us. And and the First Amendment, you know, the, the Constitution just protects us so much. And the kids don't know it, but a lot of adults don't know it either. And that's right. that's a shame. Well, was Philadelphia where you were learning about the Medal of Honor? Yes. Yes. So that was a great, great article that you wrote. It's on um, the Fox yeah, I, had, I actually had two. And I had one on the Dallas Morning News, and then I had one right. on Fox News right. online. So, and So I thought that was great, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about your experience there. Okay, so um, the Medal of Honor Grove is a place that is at, in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, and the group that maintains it is called the Freedoms Foundation. Um, and it was basically created by President Eisenhower and a bunch of notables back in the 50s oh, wow. um, to, you know, have a place where these men and women are honored. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the grove is this marvelous, like three acre site, and it's just got trails, walking trails. And then every state has an obelisk that has the names of every one of their Medal of Honor recipients on the obelisk, like wow. engraved or else a plaque on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was walking around um, the first morning I got there. Um, We'd gotten there the night before, and so the first morning, we didn't really have time built into the schedule for our class to go walk the Grove. And so I got up at 6 o'clock that morning and (laughs) went and walked the Grove, and it was such a powerful experience to me being the daughter of a serviceman Mm -hmm. and seeing these names of men and and there's one woman who basically gave everything, you know, and some of them— were awarded, quite a few of them are awarded posthumously. So the majority of these people died doing what they got honored for. Um, And so it's just marvelous. And then we had the chance to meet uh, Jim McClannan, who is one of the newest Medal of Honor recipients. Mm -hmm. Um, He earned his Medal of Honor in Vietnam. He did not receive it until 2017. He was the first one um, so honored by President Trump. And he, in the interim... He was a teacher and a coach for 39 years. (laughs) And so he was a marvelous person and a marvelous representative to meet. And he talked about how, you know, talked about involvement, talked about, you know, loving your fellow man, um, talked about being a teacher and a coach and how, you know, that's equally as hard as, you know, as earning the Medal of Honor. And so um, really just a powerful experience. And so that's what I wrote about in those two articles. The first one is me walking the grove. Mm-hmm. And just talking about what that meant to me. And then the second one was talking about, um, you know, how I kind of expected to really meet superheroes right. when I went to this conference. And you think of Medal of Honor recipients as being people who have done this, you know, amazing, you know, saved people's lives. And they've done things that are superhuman. And they are. They're they're marvelous. Absolutely. And I'm not denigrating what they do at all. But what was so remarkable to me was the fact that they are ordinary people who do extraordinary things. Exactly. And um, and one of the Medal of Honor recipients actually has said, and I think it's I think it's Patrick Baca, um, actually said every person has within them the capacity to do extraordinary things, and I think that's so much more powerful than saying these guys are superhuman and I can't be like that. Right. It's more powerful to say, guess what? I can do this too. You know. I, I think it's interesting because a lot of the Medal of Honor. People, they went through boot camp, they went through special training, they went through all these things, but they also brought the things from them that were ingrained from their 
families mm-hmm. from their livelihoods before all of that. And um, there's that part in the movie The Blind the blind side mm-hmm. the, where he puts his arm up in front of the little boy because he's got this innate ability to protect. Right. You know, and so many of our Medal of Honor people are like many others that mm-hmm. are our police officers, our firefighters, our our other first responders that they have that innate ability built into them. But there's a bunch of us out there that have never been any of that. Right. And we have it as well. You know, call it the mama bear syndrome, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But we will we will fight to the death for what we stand for and what we are are true to. Mm-hmm. And uh I get I get interested in looking at some of these Medal of Honor winners that go, I just showed up for my job that day and instinct kicked in Mm -hmm. they knew that they were willing to risk their life in that moment to save the 10 guys behind them or the other guy beside them or whatever it was they made a split second decision because of everything from birth till then that had been ingrained in them absolutely that is so true and i love that picture of just it being so selfless Mm -hmm. it's just the ultimate selflessness to me. Yeah. And some of us, you know, are never going to be in that situation. I'm no. never going to be in a firefight where I have to save people's lives. No. It's just, you know, our chances are pretty good that I won't be. Right. But w- every day we make choices in our lives that do protect other people and that help other people and, you know, are kind to other people. And right. so other people make those exceptional choices, too. They may just not be in such a dramatic fashion. Exactly. So I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking ugly about somebody and Mm -hmm. and you know i used to be one of those girls that could pile on with everybody else and (laughs) and i've gotten to where i push back now Mm -hmm. i'm like well how do you know they weren't having a bad day today how do you know in this one snapshot that you had with them that you just didn't set them up for being in a worse place than a better place Mm -hmm. by piling on on them and so those are those actionable moments that instincts Mm -hmm. we can choose to be life givers instead of life suckers yes so true (laughs) it's uh you know and that's one of the things that one of the reasons i teach is because the the kids i teach i choose to teach in a in a majority minority Mm -hmm. area and um you know could teach anywhere i wanted to and i teach in this school and in this district because that's where i want to teach right and one of the things i always keep in mind is I don't know what happened to that kid from the time they left school yesterday till this morning, Mm -hmm. but they're going to see a smile on my face. They're going to see that I care about them because I don't know what battle they're fighting Mm -hmm. and I don't want them to have anything added to it from me. Like I want to take some of that some of that pressure and some of that burden off of them, you know, if I can. Now, they may be, you know, perfectly fine and have a great day, um, but then you're not going to hurt anything by smiling at them and being nice to them. Right. But but you're going to make a difference to some of those kids who may not see another smile on another face, you right. know. And so that that is just, it's, I view teaching as a mission field. Exactly. Well, and, and you talked about the Medal of Honor winner that was a teacher and a coach mm-hmm. for 30 years before he was given the medal of honor he showed up to work every day he was a um he was there he was present he was uh doing everyday stuff just like he did right before that magical moment in his mm-hmm. life no matter how that turned he showed up every day he interacted with those kids every day now did he share anything about how things shifted for him once he got the Medal of Honor? Did people talk to him differently, treat him differently? Um, I don't know that he really shared that. Um, he focused more on the fact that he felt that his impact as a teacher and a coach over those 39 years had been so much greater than that one mm-hmm. moment in his life in Vietnam, the one day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still very close with his buddies from Vietnam, but right. he says, you know, he he had 10,000 students go through his classes. Right. And he's like, you know, those 10,000 students, like I meant something to them, and that's way more impactful mm-hmm. than what I did for these, you know, eight guys. Right. And so um, that was really just powerful, I thought, you know, that he had focused on that. And it was it just interesting because, you know, if he had gotten that Medal of Honor back in 1969, mm-hmm. you know, 
how would that have changed his life? Would right. that have made a difference in the way he approached people, in the way he, you know, in the way he approached other people right. um, or the way they approached him? Would it have changed things right. um, as opposed to him just living his life and then getting this, you know, great honor later on in life? And so that was neat. So I want to I want to flip the script on you just a little bit. OK. Um, and you can say whether how deep you want to go in this conversation or not, but. There were some people in your family that became quite well-known. Right. And did that have a positive or a negative or a little bit of both impact on on y'all? Oh, wow. Um, it, it's had both. It's definitely had both. Um, it's overwhelmingly been positive. I mean, um, so my family, my dad is um, is Silas Robertson, and most of the world knows him as Uncle Cy. <laughs> Uncle Cy, now. yeah. And, uh, and I always have to explain that because, like, my dad is Uncle Cy. He's somebody else's uncle, but he's my dad. Um, and so, you know, and the funny thing is I show my kids at school, I always tell them the first day who I am because my the first year that my dad and the family became famous, he came to visit my school and I had him just visit with the faculty. I didn't think anything about the kids, you know, because right. I didn't think that they'd even know who he was. Right. Um, and they got mad at me later. They were like, how dare you not tell us who the, you know, who you are and who your family is? Like, why didn't you bring him to see us? And so I always tell the kids now, I'm always like, okay, this is my family and I just want you to know. And the kids always are so funny. You know, they'll come back the next day and go, I Googled you and you're famous. And I'm like, no, I'm not famous. But I do know some famous right. people. Um, but it's been it's been overwhelmingly positive. We've gotten to do some really cool things with them. Um, we got to go on a cruise. We'd never been on a cruise, and they took the whole family on a Duck Dynasty cruise, cool and so that, that was cool. Um, we've gotten to go, you know, to some to some fun things. Um, we've been on the show. You know, we, mm -hmm. my my whole family. We were on right. the show for um, season five's finale when Mia was about to have her surgery, um, and so we've gotten to to do some really cool things that a lot of people don't have the opportunity right. to do. Um, it has been a little negative in some senses. Um, like uh, when I was running for city council, I approached a door and I knocked on the door and the people came to the door. And when they saw who I was, they turned their back to me and closed the door. And I just thought, and it was because, and they said something about my family. And so right. I knew it was because of my family. And right. it was kind of after Phil had had his altercation with GQ and mm -hmm. there had been some negative press about right. the family. And so, um, and so, yeah, so they didn't want to talk to me because of who my family was. So we've had a couple of run-ins like that. And there was the, the funniest one that I just still think is hysterical is um, my husband was working the polls for me last year when I was running for tax assessor. And he struck up a conversation with a lady and she said, well, I don't think that Miss Coburn can be very smart. And he said, why do you think that? Like, this is a woman who's, you know, had a full academic scholarship to college. She's right. pretty smart. And uh, and he said, she, she looked at him and she said, well, she's relative to that Duck Dynasty family, and they're all just rednecks, and I just don't think they're very smart. And he just laughed. He just said he had to take a step back and go, you know, most of Trace's cousins have master's degrees. Right. <laughs> Most of them are very well educated. Just because they have long beards and long hair doesn't make them not smart. But this lady was just fully determined that my family was right. not very intelligent. <laughs> and so I just laugh about that. I just think it's really funny that, you know, that even in the world we live in where we don't always jump to conclusions, mm -hmm. there are still some conclusions that people jump to just on just based on appearance. Well, and I think that's one of the other things when we're talking about politics. Mm -hmm. People automatically jump to a conclusion because of something something was presented on social media right. or a commercial that came out or, mm. you know, uh, I think it was earlier this year there was a commercial that came out and everybody was upset about it. Uh, talking about men and it was I can't even remember the commercial that was out, but I watched the commercial. I'm like. Well, I'm not offended by it. And right. I asked my husband, I'm like, are you offended by it? Because, But everybody's making these commentaries and several of them right. were saying, I haven't watched the commercial, but. And I'm like, come on. That's a know? huge thing right now with social media is people, you know, you put a you put a link to a story right. um, and it has a headline. And the majority of the people who post on my social media don't 
don't read the story. They right. just read the headline and they respond to the headline. And it's like, guys, come on. You got to look a little deeper. Everything <laughs> is not a soundbite. Um, and that's what we're kind of in the soundbite world where right. everything has to be a little, you know, three second soundbite. Mm-hmm. And you can't get the full story about someone in right. a three second soundbite. You can't. You can't. What was it? I think it was 2013 when they had the March for Life on the Texas uh, steps and I was on vacation at that time. I'm in, up in Arkansas. I had my old blog up at the time and I'd written an article about um, the balance of life and death while I was on vacation. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it from a very personal sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people out there that are uh, going to be angry on both sides. I knew that when I wrote it. I also knew that the very first comment I got that was going to be a hate comment, I was going to stand up and dance because I was stirring something, mm-hmm. right? Didn't matter if I was, uh, if they were completely wrong, completely right, whatever, I was stirring something. Mm-hmm. But the very first comment I got back was somebody that's going, well, if you were a female, you would know this. And um, it, you, obviously, you've never been raped and you know list off these different things that were in the article right. about my sexual assault about being a female about right but they didn't I'm read like, it they didn't read it yeah. they just saw pro-life and decided to attack mm-hmm. and it's the same thing for our pro-life followers too if you're hearing that pro-choices out there or Planned Parenthoods out there, you need to educate yourself. Absolutely. You need to know what you're against. My friend Connie um, is the CEO of Wise Choices Pregnancy Crisis, uh, Pregnancy Resources Center up in Decatur. Mm-hmm. And she had an event this week and they had the um, Rally for Life event. And she's got a half a million dollar budget to battle against a county that has, uh, what, a $31 million budget right. for Planned Parenthood. You, it's kind of David and Goliath on that. So there are issues that you're going to take up and you're going to want to defend and you're going to want to do and you're going to be the David mm-hmm. in it. It may be the plumbing board. Mm-hmm. It may be pro-life. It may be gun control. It may mm-hmm. be whatever that is. You may be on the positive side on one and on the negative side for another. But mm-hmm. how do you find those places to find your voice and Find ways to connect. I know you went to an event recently with, um, I've been Facebook stalking her. Um, <laughs> you went recently to an event with a, a a group of senators or Texas senators or something like that. Um, what was it last week? Oh, um yeah, Republican. I, I a, oh, yeah, I was at a Republican women's club um, right. the, where a uh, where a representative was speaking. Right, and uh, yeah, so there were a lot of candidates and and people who are you know currently in political jobs who want to keep their political jobs mm-hmm. so they're running for next year right. you know year's primary already um and you know the thing is um i would strongly recommend that if you want to get involved um you know at your city i've already explained that but if you want to get involved in the community um that's you know, a little bit larger if you want to get involved in um, pro-life issues or if you want to get involved in something you're passionate about. First of all, figure out what you're passionate about. Exactly. Figure out what your issue Number or one. issues are. <laughs> um, pro-life is a huge one for me. I right. am. I actually just attended an event yesterday that was at um, the courtroom where Roe v. Wade was decided in Dallas right. before it went to the Supreme Court. You know, it was decided and they, they decided to overturn the law that banned abortion Um, and so we had a pro-life event in that courtroom which was really just amazing it was just really powerful to be in Mm -hmm. that place and kind of be fighting about fighting against it and kind of you know flipping the script on what had happened there Um, but so find out what your issue is um, and then you know you can if your issue aligns with a political party, then you can absolutely contact the party. So I'm involved here um, in Tarrant County with the Tarrant County GOP, the Republican Party in Tarrant County. Um, and we have a website. It's, you know, TarrantGOP.com. Um, and so you can go to it and or it might be .org. I don't know. I have it bookmarked, we'll so it, I don't know we'll exactly it what it is. Comments. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> um, that's what happens when we bookmark things or we have exactly. our phones remember our everything phones for us. Or smarter than we exactly. are. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so you can go to that. It has a calendar of events. Um, mm-hmm. And so and I assume that the Democratic Party in Tarrant County would have a similar thing. I haven't right. looked at their at their website, right. but um, you can go to you can look at the different Republican women's clubs, the different Republican clubs that are for men and women both. Mm-hmm. And um, you can, you know, 
know, just go to one that's local to you right. and just see if you like it. You know, the people are usually really great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you meet some people who are really interesting in some <laughs> ways, you know, but you but in any group that's passionate about what they do, right. you're going to have some people who are all the way across the spectrum. So you're right. going to have people who you jive with, people who you don't necessarily would hang out with, you mm-hmm. know, outside of this issue, but maybe you align with on this issue. Exactly. Um, and then some people who you just wouldn't, you know, it, that your personality and their personality don't mesh. So, you know, you just have to find where you fit both with the issue and with the people. Right. Um, and so I, I strongly advise people to be involved in politics, though, because it just does matter. Right. What we do, um, what our choices are at the political levels, whichever level, mm-hmm. um, who we send to make those decisions right. matters hugely. Well, and I think I think one of the important things you've shared today is you were home, you were taking care of your boys, you were finding a new way as they were growing up, mm-hmm. you're finding a new way to get involved with school, your students challenged you, and you found ways to get involved. You didn't jump right in and go, I want to be the mayor, or I want right. to be the governor of Texas, or I want to be the president <laughs> of the United States. You you stepped in. It's like you waded into mm-hmm. the process. Absolutely. And that's I think that's a safer way to do it as well, because the political landscape is so fraught with danger in right. so many ways, you know, that you don't necessarily know what the people you're talking with believe. And so it's better to go in kind of slow, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, instead of just jumping straight in and saying, oh, well, I'm here and <laughs> right. this is what I want. You know, um, you can do that. But then you just have to figure out because you can't make a difference by yourself. Right. Like one. One person is not going to make a difference. Um, but what it what makes a difference is when you find those people who align with you right. and then you become a powerful group. And so, and you know, that's what you have to figure out is like, who are my allies and who are the people who are opposed to us? Right. And I don't use the word enemies because I think there's too much of that in politics exactly. right now where we like demonize the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's one thing that we really need to pull back from because I have some dear, dear friends friends who are very far left of me, mm-hmm. um, but I love them with all my heart. Right. And we can have conversations and we can agree to disagree, but I would never say that they are evil for right. what they believe. They right. strongly believe what they believe because their life experiences have led them to that point. Exactly. You know, and so we can have conversations about it and I can hope that, you know, maybe I'll say something that will shift their perspective on something. And I'm sure that's probably what they think about me as well. Exactly. But I can love somebody who is different from me politically. And so that's something that I'm seeing right now that's very concerning is when people say, I don't have any friends who have different political beliefs than I have. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. First of all, (laughs) you're not very strong in your own beliefs if you can't face somebody who believes differently than you. Like, if you can't have a conversation with somebody who's different, then your beliefs aren't very strongly founded. You know, if I'm a Christian and I can't have a conversation with an atheist, Mm -hmm. then I'm not very firmly founded in my faith. Exactly. And politics are the same way. If I can't have a conversation with somebody across the aisle and seek where we do have consensus, you know, Mm -hmm. where, where we do agree, then, you know, I don't. I don't think I'm very firmly founded where I need to be. You know, exactly. I need to back up and look at my beliefs if I can't talk about it with somebody else. Well, and I think I think it's also important to know you don't have to get involved and dance with every fight you get involved invited to. You know, we have a couple of friends. I'm I'm one of those also that has friends on all spectrums, mm-hmm. independents, liberals, Republicans, you name it. Wig party, whatever it is, um, the we want to be something we don't know what yet party. I have people from all spectrums on my on my Facebook pages and on my personal page, and they'll post something up there. And occasionally, I'll go in and debunk facts. Mm-hmm. I'll put facts in mm-hmm. there, and depending on how they want to respond to those facts will normally dictate how long I want to stay in the conversation because they'll either turn it personal, (laughs) which if they turn the conversation personal when we're talking about a political or a social issue, then I'm done because it they're they don't have an argument. They're just looking for something to strike. It's ad hominem. Yeah. Yeah. So um, but if they don't want to see the facts, they want to keep throwing different things out there that are not factual, again, I don't engage in the Mm -hmm. conversation. I tell them, let's share where we're getting our data from. Mm -hmm. 
and and go from there. And there have been times that I've dug a little deeper on the other side's issue. And what I've found a lot of times is most of the people I'm arguing with just want to be heard. Right. That is so true. It is just goes down to a people issue. We yes. all want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And if we can find a way to see, hear, and accept people on the on the basic level, we can open up minds and hearts to hear on a deeper level. Absolutely. I think um, social media is problematic in that sense because mm-hmm. people do just gut react to things and they don't always think it through. I have a um, I have a 24 hour rule on my social media. Like, you know, if I need to hide something, I'll hide it and then right. I'll come back and respond to it. But I have a 24 hour rule that I'm not going to just post something right away when I see something mm-hmm. that is maybe offensive or that bothers me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not just going to go and type stuff and just, you know, mm-hmm. hit send because that just you're just inflaming. You know, it's just instigating things. And so um, my husband had the 24-hour rule when he was coaching. That's what he always (laughs) told his parents. So I took that rule and and internalized (laughs) that. Um, And so he always told parents, you know, he's like, if you have a problem with me as a coach, take 24 hours, then call me and we'll meet somewhere and talk. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but we're not talking right after the game. We're not talking right after the practice, you know, wherever you were upset about. Mm -hmm. Like, give yourself a little cooling off time and like, we'll talk about it rationally as adults later. And that's how I feel about social media is that everybody just wants to, you know, they do want to be heard. And so they just Mm -hmm. type real quick and they hit send. And then later you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, Oh, or you go back and delete it, but people have already seen it, you know. And so it's just so much better when people, when you just take a step back. And I've learned sometimes sometimes it's, I'm, I'm a quick responder mm-hmm. i like when somebody emails me i want to give them a response right away but i've learned sometimes it's better to just let that email sit or right. let that social media post sit and then somebody will come back and say you know i'm sorry i posted that let me let me change that or whatever right. um or they'll send you an email and say guess what i figured it out like right. you know you don't have to respond to it it's not urgent you know so you kind of have to figure out priority wise is you know, something urgent that i need to respond to it right. or is it just that i have this impulse to respond <laughs> to it right this second you know and so exactly. that's uh that's you know kind of i've tried to I've learned over time and in politics that sometimes it's just better not to respond. Right. Well, and I got tickled the other day whenever I saw this bantering going back and forth, back and forth between a person, two people that I know. And it was about women's issues. Mm -hmm. Now, being in the military, growing up as a military brat, there were women in the military, but they weren't as many mm-hmm. as there are now. Um, but part of the issue was they were discussing the whole World Cup soccer team and all that stuff. And and I'm not even going to step off into that right. today because I do have my <laughs> opinions about it, but it's not necessarily the women's side opinion. It's not necessarily the men's side of opinion. It's a, we need to look at it differently mm-hmm. than it's being looked at type thing. But I have a bunch of veteran followers as a vet myself. I have several female veterans who follow us, and uh, they're going to the VAs today, Mm -hmm. and they're being called, well, where's your dependent card? Right. Or they go, it happened to me. I was at the uh, local VFW Legion, something Mm -hmm. like that, asking for an application for my son because um, he's in the Army. My husband's already a VFW member up at the uh, Newell, West Virginia, where he's from. And so I asked for an application for myself because I've never been one. I figured I could start getting involved with veteran issues. Mm-hmm. Did they give you an auxiliary? They gave me an auxiliary. <laughs> three times. Oh, my goodness. Not once, but oh. three times they kept giving me an auxiliary yeah. thing. So there are some things that as women we are butting our heads up against. Mm-hmm. But it's how we handle butting our heads up against things right. that can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So um, I just said, never mind, I'll fill it out online. Right, right. <laughs> like, I'll just I'll circumvent do, I'll do that. like most women do. We just handle it ourselves. <laughs> and the guy kept going, well, I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> I'm like, the problem is, is I served. I've got a DD-214. I've got these different things. So um, how do... How have you seen in your political experience how to shift views and and mindsets in some of the most toughest 
areas that we have. So maybe you have somebody that has a perspective of how some this is the way we've always done it. Right. How do you get them to shift that? Oh, there's new technology. There's Mm -hmm. new things. There's all these ways we don't have to do it that way anymore. We can do it. I have a theory that um, the only thing that changes people's minds is personal relationships, Mm. is the impact that somebody has on you. Um, And the only, you can't get online and change anybody's mind on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter. You know, you can post all you want on somebody (laughs) else's page and they are not going to change their mind. The only thing that's going to change their mind is when they have a personal experience with somebody that actually changes their mind. And so I always figure that it's best to be the person who could be the change. Mm -hmm. Um, And to do that, you have to have a relationship with those people. Mm -hmm. So you can't just say, oh, you're an idiot. Like, I can't (laughs) talk to you. Um, And, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, when we're dealing with like the VFWs and things, sometimes you're dealing with much older veterans who lived in a time where women were not part of the service and women were not, you know, in their worldview Mm -hmm. as veterans. And so, you know, they're still running into that. You know, they need to to shift their impressions a little bit. Well, what's going to change their mind is when they meet women veterans Mm -hmm. who are wonderful people and who are strong and who are still feminine and who are all the things that, you know, we want our women veterans to be, um, that's going to change their impression when they have the time to actually meet those people. And they're not going to meet them if you had stormed out and said, I'm never going to belong to this VFW, you know, then they're never going to meet you in that social atmosphere where they're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Angie's a woman ver- veteran. Wow, she changed my my total mm-hmm. vision of what women veterans are is changed, you know. And so I really feel that you've got to keep those avenues, those personal avenues open because otherwise you just you just lose that opportunity. Right. Um, and that's, you know, I see that as far back as a history teacher, you know, I see that with integration of schools, you mm-hmm. know, because we were not going to, everybody lived in their little bubbles. My mm-hmm. kids, you know, I teach at the most diverse high school in Texas. Right. It's been named by right. niche.com several years running. And um, so my kids teaching civil rights to this diverse group of kids, mm-hmm. they don't get it. Like it's right. hard to explain a time when they couldn't be in class together. They don't Mm -hmm. understand the rationale. And so you kind of have to say, well, you know, people weren't being necessarily ill-intentioned. It's just, you know, I would have lived in a little white bubble. You would have lived in a little Hispanic bubble. You would have lived in a little African-American bubble. And our bubbles wouldn't have connected. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't have known you. Mm-hmm. And known what a great person you are right. without us, you know, forcing the issue and without having it, you know, a made situation where suddenly right. black kids and white kids and Hispanic kids could go to school together. And now I teach at this great high school where it's so interesting. The kids don't see color. Right. And it's fascinating. And, you know, my son, um, my son, his first girlfriend was African-American and he didn't tell us about that. When we were going to meet her, he was telling us all about her, and he never once mentioned her skin color. And so when we met her, we were like, oh, wow. And we were like, hey, how come you didn't mention that? And he goes, well, because that didn't really matter. And it was so awesome that this generation has gotten so far past that, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas, you know, when we were growing up and before, that was such a big issue, you know. And it's kind of how I grew up because being in the military, it was so integrated. Mm -hmm. And like my high school was so multicolored and multicultural mm-hmm. and I had people who spoke Spanish as their first language and French as their first language and mm-hmm. you know just such a melting pot right. of people so I feel very comfortable with with the school I teach at and so it's marvelous but that's what that's what changed people's minds was not the forced brown v right. board of education what changed people's minds was I'm sitting next to a kid who looks different than me And guess what? We're both interested in the same things and we both like the same sports. And, hey, we're really good people. And I I get that person. Well, I think it's interesting that we have, like you said, the high school is very culturally diverse. A Mm -hmm. a few years ago, I think it was 74 different languages spoken there. I don't remember if that's... I think it's 75 now, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. It's it's amazing. But one of the things when I went in the military, we didn't have... When I went to high school there, we didn't have as diverse a school at that Mm -hmm. time, but it was still very diverse. And I had friends of every socioeconomical group, every social group on campus, Mm -hmm. every non-social group on campus. Um, And 
when I went in the military, I felt like I was well well prepared. Absolutely. And my yes. son has said that too. Mm-hmm. You know, he says he feels he can talk to anybody about anything mm-hmm. because he has this this background from what he learned at school. Mm-hmm. What he also found was some of those other people. And I'm not saying whether it's a skin color, a faith, or anything like that. Some of the other people look at him and they see a straight white guy from Texas and they can't get past it. Yeah, that's He's so fine, true. but he they can't get past it. Right. And they can't be friends with him because they see that. Mm-hmm. And it kind of throws him for a loop. He's like, wait a minute. You know, my mom's had... You know, like six different countries represented around our dinner table at one night, and you can't accept me. Right, right. So it's a little bit of a different feel when Mm -hmm. it comes to that. But I encourage him to embrace those moments Mm -hmm. because it tells a little bit more about what some some of the things that happened back in the day. Mm -hmm. And by embracing those moments, he can prevent them from happening in the future. And he can be a representative to that person. Right. And teach them, hey, we can be friends regardless of that, Mm -hmm. you know, and and your judgment might not be correct at first, you know, and that's what people that's what the personal interaction does is it helps people see past that first impression that, oh, my gosh, you know, like people look at me and they just go, oh, you know, she's like her family. And Mm -hmm. so some people are, are, you know, are afraid to, you know, to, to have a connection with me because they're they're afraid that my opinions are are the same or, you know, or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really interesting to have that, you know, you have to be a, an ambassador almost, you know, <laughs> yeah. for your for yourself and just say, you know, look, I'm not I'm not like that. It's not you, what you're imagining. Right. That my experience has been is not true. You know, people always think it's really funny. People always think that, like, I grew up very wealthy (laughs) because of my family being so successful now. Right. And um, we actually had a lady come from um, WFAA to interview me a couple of years ago. And they drove up to my house and they came in and they go, we thought we were in the wrong neighborhood. (laughs) And I said, oh, you did? And she was like, we thought that this is a really like middle class neighborhood and you would live in like a really fancy house and you know your house is lovely but it's not like right. it's just on a regular block and it's just you know it's a 2000 square foot house You're it's approachable. not fancy <laughs> yeah and so she was so but it was so funny you know that she thought i was going to live in a mansion right. because of who my family was and i was like oh man you know that's right. just not who i am like you know even if we had all that money in the bank which we don't but i wouldn't live you know in in right. other places i like where i live right so we're coming to the close to the end of the show. So what are some other things that you would like to share with the audience today about who you are, what you're passionate about, what you would like to challenge the audience to do, any of that stuff? Gosh, um, so we've talked so much. I mean, I, I feel like I've talked a lot about <laughs> those things, but um, I am passionate about kids. Um, that is, you know, probably the number one thing. I never thought that I would be family oriented. I always thought I'd be a career woman. Um, and family was a far distant second and God had a total different plan for me. I was married by the time I was 21 and then had a child by 22 and, you know, have four boys and, um, stayed home for 12 years, which was not on my plan whatsoever. (laughs) Um, so I, I'm passionate about kids, but I also, I'm passionate about God. Um, he has done marvelous things for me and I have a great life and a great balance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I, I, you know, there were periods in my life where I wrestled with God and I mm-hmm. disagreed and I thought I had mm-hmm. a better plan than he did. Um, and I, and it never worked out. And right. so he was always right. I mean, teaching is one of those things. I never wanted to be a teacher <laughs> um, and I fought it um, mm-hmm. and then ended up saying, fine, God, I'm going to do it, but it's going to not work out. And then, mm-hmm. of course, I love it mm-hmm. and I love the kids and I love what I do. Um, so I would say, well, number one, follow what God's plan is for your life. You know, even if you wrestle with it a little bit, um, that's okay. Jacob wrestled with God, um, and he was still, you know, one of God's favorite people. So, you know, God doesn't—he doesn't demand unquestioning obedience from us. He demands obedience, but you can question all you want along the way, you know. So you may not agree, but he's going to take you where you want to go, whether you know it or not, you know. (laughs) Um, And then— um, I just and I'm passionate about public policy. I just think, you know, what we do matters and what our decisions are at the public level matter to our lives. And so I would strongly um, just encourage people a couple of things. One, um, if you're not involved with the educational community 
um, in your mm-hmm. area. Um, you know, schools are public places. Right. You can go observe a class. You mm-hmm. can go get involved. We have a great program at, at our school called um, called Trojan Talk, where we have um, community mentors come mm-hmm. in once a month and spend time with the same group of kids over the year. And so, you know, we'd love to have people come and join us for that. So if you live in, you know, Hershulis Bedford, if you want to be part of the Trojan Talk community, you know, come see me, email mm-hmm. me. Um, we are always looking looking for people who want to be involved with kids and, right. you know, and they need good mentors. They need mm-hmm. people from outside the school. They look at me and they say, oh, she cares about us, but she's a teacher. She has right. to care about us. You know, right. they don't realize that I choose to care about them. You know, I choose to be mm-hmm. a teacher because I do care about them, but they need outside people for that. Um, the second thing is get involved in your community in some way. You know, it doesn't have to be politics even. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be volunteering. I'm a huge advocate for volunteering. There's an organization called Six. Stones mm-hmm. um, in Bedford that I'm on the board of, and we have an we have an actual um, an, a back to school event coming up August 10th okay. um, that you can volunteer for if you look at sixstones.org. Um, and so you know, volunteer, get involved, do something that's outside your little bubble of your house, because right. you know, and if you're in a position where like you've got four kids and they're small, don't feel bad that you're still in your house in your little bubble mm-hmm. because that's God's plan for you right now. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a dear friend who she's always saying, oh, I wish I could travel like you. I wish I could do the things you're doing. And she's got two little boys who are six and four. And I right. said, and a husband who's National Guard, so he's gone every other right. weekend. And I said, honey, your, your time will come. Right. You know, God has you in this place for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll have this time to travel and do other things a little bit later. So just kind of be aware of, you know, where your spot is and where God's calling you to be, and then get involved as much as you can. I like that verse from Micah 7, 7 that says, I wait and hope for my Lord because I know he sees me. Mm-hmm. And so in those moments, you know, like your friend right there and several other women I've been talking to lately is you may be in that waiting season mm-hmm. and for what you're really hoping to do. But there are so many things that you can do and touch where you're at right now, shaping the young lives mm-hmm. of our future generations is one of them. And so um, in honor of having you here today, in honor of uh, you being a teacher, getting ready to go back to school and and all of that stuff. I think you touched on it earlier about um, being present and and being involved. We do a little segment at the end called Everyday Divas. And and this week I'm going to uh, put out uh, Julie Cole as our Everyday Diva for the week. And the reason I'm doing that is because Julie Cole was somebody I met when our kids were in high school. Um, and she was everywhere. I mean, that woman is everywhere. Uh, She now serves on the school board for our district, and she just started out being a mom, just serving where there was a need in the school where her kids went to school and being present and being able to say, yes, I can do that. Or she even said no a lot, Mm -hmm. but not as often as she said yes, I think. I mean, she said no a lot to a lot of great things because she knew she was set up for even more things than what she was stepping towards. Works a full-time job, has her kids, has her husband, all of that stuff. But she is one of those people that is going along, living life day to day, every day, not looking for any shout outs, not looking for any praise. But we want to just honor that she not only stepped forward and just saw a need and met it, but she kept moving forward and she leads our school board very well and um, is another mate, a great uh, community builder. So today, Divas, if you're out there, I want to challenge you to be a community builder, whether it's your community in your home or it's your community in your church, your school, whatever that is, we want you to be a community builder. But Every day, just remember to make an impact, whether it's big, whether it's small, um, a positive impact on those that you do. You have a choice as to what battles you engage in, and uh, we're going to keep moving forward. So thank you so much. Tracy Robertson Coburn. I didn't want to throw that out at the beginning because Thank I wanted you. to build up to that. And I wanted people to get to know you for who you are. Oh, I appreciate that. For all of that. Um, because uh, 
you shared some amazing things today that really just helped me a lot. Um, I know a friend of mine this weekend shared something about all the voters. And, you know, we all vote for the big elections, but we don't always show up for the midterms or the, the community elections. And those are where we can really start shifting the paradigm. And eventually those are the people that are going to feed up the chain to the big elections. So true. So, um I really appreciate your time today, and I look forward to visiting with you. And we're going to have her social media and website and all of that in the comments of the podcast. So be sure to go and like, follow her, um, send her comments, tell her how she inspired you today. And I just thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. 